Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is With the First Pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. Rick, this is episode 106. We're getting there. I'm Ryan Wilson. That, of course, is Rick Spielman. Today... We're talking the biggest steals of the 2023 NFL Draft through 14 weeks of the NFL season. And you might remember, we graded every rookie first-rounder back at the midway point of the season. And now that we're about three-quarters of the way through the old process here, we're going to grade some of the rookie second-rounders and talk about whether some of them should have been taken in round one or perhaps drafted a little later than they actually were. But first things first, in case you missed it, Tuesday, Rick and I looked at how the rookie quarterbacks performed in Week 14. Tommy DeVito and Will Levis were at the top of the list. What a, time, what a time to be alive. I told you, Rick, back in August that uh, we'll be talking up Tommy DeVito in week 14 for great reasons. What would you have said to me? I would have said you were right on with your evaluation of him, and you knew something everybody else in the world didn't know. So kudos to you, Ryan Wilson. Man, thank you. I would have, I would have said thank you very much, and then you would have had me committed because that would have been an absolutely crazy thing to say. But here we are. Will Loves played well, too. That's certainly less of a surprise. And, of course, we talked about our top five rookies on the defensive side only, and if you missed it, got a lovely little message from our colleague, Lee J. Doosable, big fan of Kobe Turner before the season, and uh, he wanted to send Rick a, a little few words of, of encouragement. <laughs> in the I think he ended with learn the game, Rick. Yeah, and I appreciated that. So, <laughs> yeah. You did like it. I, I was you, you were it was, Yeah, it was hilarious. Uh, I appreciated the effort that went into it. I still don't agree with him because there's a long way to go before we put – Kobe uh, Bryant in the Hall of Fame. Kobe Turner, uh, but Kobe Bryant's Kobe already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before we think that he's going to be the Kobe Bryant of the NFL. There you go. <laughs> that is fantastic. But, uh, I, I do give him credit for the season that he has had so far. So you can check that show out in the old podcast feed. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see that Rick's in his brand new, shiny 10,000 square foot office. You look great, Rick. What's going on over there? Tell us about the uh, the footballs back there because you told us a fun little story about them. Yeah, no, the the Viking footballs are the ones that when I lost the game balls in a hurricane um, that the Wolf family replaced every single one of my game balls, which is incredible of them to do. Didn't have to do that, uh, but just tells you what type of ownership group uh, and, uh, and type of people they are. Uh, the one... There's a Miami Dolphin game ball that I had when I was down with the Dolphins. And then this one, oh, the other way. <laughs> You're still learning your left and your right. Yeah, it is the Bears and the Packers game ball when I was with Chicago. And it was the week that Walter Payton died. And we mm. ended up beating Chicago that week. Uh, didn't have a great year, but that was a big win for us to beat the Green Bay. And uh, the ownership, the McCaskey family presented everybody with a uh, with a game ball uh, in honor of Walter Payton. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. All I have behind me, of course, Rick, is the old official with the first pick draft countdown board. And uh, it, it costs. I'm trying to think if there's anything that costs less on this countdown board in your background. And I don't see even that fax machine back there that Debo was making fun of that you got off of eBay. Uh, how many days we got, Rick? We have 133 days until the 2024 NFL draft and 33 days before I won't get yelled at for yelling at Ryan Wilson. <laughs> January 15th, I've marked it down. And uh, now you've got me excited about the confluence of the days until draft board and the number of episodes we've done. So that's going to be an exciting time when those two numbers merge into one. So. Debo, while, while you're directing or producing or whatever the heck you do behind that curtain back there or behind the window, I don't know where you're at, to be honest with you. Is there any chance that maybe someday we can get like a fancy countdown clock with a sponsor on it? 
think the answer is one that you know. <laughs> I, I like the thought around the sponsor, but that board is sticking around. Nemo <laughs> likes the old school uh thrown together last minute element of the board. Nice sort of like when you slap your like first dollar earned on the wall. Like you don't want to replace that. Like it's it's meaningful. Is that like a stand that they put the uh, in high school where the band puts their music sheets on? You know what? That's a great idea. It's actually just a a tripod stand. But my son, 12 year old, has the music stand. I should be using that. Good job. Good call, Rick. Look at that. All right. Remember, leave us a five star review. Um just because you like the show, but also if you want to nominate an FBS or FCS college player who, of course, is draft eligible, and we'll talk about them, and we're going to start doing that again uh, in the near, t- near term. We have some names on the list to get to. And finally, if you like what we do here, tell a friend. And if one of your buddies happens to be uh, a friend of a team or uh, a fan of a team that stinks, this is the podcast for them. Um, Rick, I want to ask you something quickly about this. I was listening to a podcast they're talking about Justin Fields and the Bears and what they should do. You talked about your time with the McCaskies in Chicago. If you're the front office and there's a lot of time to figure this out in terms of you're going to have the first overall pick most likely because it belongs to the Panthers and that's not going anywhere. Justin Fields is playing better. How much consideration are you giving to trading Justin Fields? If you love, love, love Caleb Williams or Drake May or because here's my question that I keep coming back to. It's going to not be an immediate turnaround process if you get a rookie quarterback in there, but Justin Fields has will be going into year four. You have cap space if that's your concern. How well, much consideration I, are you giving to all that? Yeah, if I can respectfully disagree. With which part? Uh, well, with the whole damn thing, but let, oh. I'm sorry. I got 33 days. Uh, I will <laughs> the whole res- darn thing. Yes, I, I will respectfully disagree on the rookie quarterback because did you not think that CJ Stroud had a major impact on Houston's turnaround this year? He did, but that feels like a, a one-off, not something that you can expect year in and year out. Do you disagree okay. with that? Yeah. Well, no, I, I agree with you 100%, but I'm just saying you, you put it to the, there's no way possible any rookie quarterback can come in. And I'm the only reason I'm going to disagree with you respectfully of course, agree with you. I would never disrespectfully disagree with you until 33 days from now. Right. <laughs> Clock's ticking. <laughs> <laughs> Is that they, they went out and Montez Sweat made a huge difference on their defense so far. They're playing better on defense. Uh, TJ Edwards and uh, Edmonds are, are starting to make a bigger impact. They have to keep Josh uh, Johnson. Is it Jones? The corner. J- uh, Jalen Johnson. Jalen J- Johnson. Yeah. Uh, from uh, Utah. The cornerback, right. Yeah, that's playing very well. So the defense has actually played a lot better, and I think Montez Sweat has really added to that. You already have DJ Moore. Uh, You have a good stable of running backs. So uh, there are a lot of pieces that may already be in place. So the question is, and when you're in these meetings during the offseason, if we trade Justin Fields, what are we going to get for him? I mean, what's the lowest we would ever – is it if it, we don't get a first rounder, we're not considering it, or does it have to be a second rounder plus? So you have to decide on the compensation if you want to trade Justin Fields. But if you go down that road and you can't trade him, then you have an issue on your hand with Justin Fields. So yeah. you have – and then if it's Caleb Williams and if he's the – you know, a too unique to pass up. I don't think you could pass up a unique quarterback, which I have said numerous times, but are we a better football team if Justin Fields finishes strong like he has been over these next four weeks? And we add maybe a Marvin Harrison or another tackle or another pass rusher. How good will our football team be then compared to taking a, a young rookie quarterback going back to your theory? Um, that may set us back for a little bit before the rookie quarterback gets going. Uh, yeah. So those are all the things that you're you're going to be discussing. Yeah, the trade compensation is something I was thinking about today when I was walking the dog in my sub-zero temperatures up here. The other thing is, if you do trade down, <clears throat> if you're going, going to roll with Justin, how how concerned are you about trading out of the Marvin Harrison sweepstakes? Cause you don't want to get caught at five. Oh, that's the thing that you have to understand and you have to understand other teams needs. So if you say, okay, we trade down past Arizona. Well, he's a uh, assuming that new England takes a quarterback. If they're number two, uh, then 
we're going to lose Marvin Harrison Jr. Is it worth it or not? Those are the decisions and yeah. all the situations that you go to prior to the draft so you can have ample time to discuss all those type of scenarios. All right, we'll get into that. I was just thinking about that today as I was uh, walking and trying not to freeze to death while you're enjoying the 72-degree weather down there. It was 61 this morning when I went oh. out with the dogs. Oh, sweet mercy. I hope you wrapped up. Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, good. Whew. I mean, you've gotten soft so quickly. You spent a, over a decade in Minnesota. You grew up in the oh, Midwest. About 17 years in Minnesota, more than a decade. And you grew up in Ohio, and now you put on a sweater. Worked in Chicago, worked in Detroit. Jeez, a pizza. You, you, you're soft down, kids playing in the ball games. Where, what's next? I, I don't know. I, I have to move south during the winter. I need to go south. Yeah, south <laughs> to the Ecuador. <laughs> All right, let's get to it, Rick. If you like what we do here, just hit, hit the old thumbs up on the YouTube machines. Help us spread the word. But today, I'm going to start off talking about some of these rookie steals. Mm. Three biggest steals of the 2023 NFL draft so far. We'll go back and forth, but I'll let you go first. Who's the first name you would like to talk about? Uh, I, I can't help but bring up Sam Laporta. Let and me set this up here. 34th overall pick, second tight end off the board after Dalton Kincaid went to the Lions. Yeah, and the way he's been playing, I mean, there's no question that he could have been drafted easily in the first round. And I'd make an argument uh, with him versus Kincaid. Now, Kincaid's yeah. had a really good year with Buffalo uh, ever since Knox was injured, but Knox has come back. But it seems like Kincaid and Josh Allen have a thing going. But the way Jared Goff and Laporta's connection, I think, has been very good, especially down this stretch here. Uh, and we talked about on an earlier podcast where it seems that any critical third down situation, the, they're going to Laporta. I think he had four key third down uh, conversions. I believe it was versus New Orleans and uh, the touchdown on a third down. So there's no question about the athleticism and his receiving skills, but I've been even more impressed with him as a blocker and how he's developed as a blocker and some of the critical blocks that he makes. It helps that run game go. So I honestly believe that they and TJ Hawkinson is a very productive tight end, you know, Pro Bowl type receiving tight end. But I think that they are very excited about having Laporta at the contract they have him at compared to what they would have had to pay TJ Hawkinson, who Minnesota just recently extended. I agree. Everything. I mean, there's no pushback there. And in fact, I think there's um, maybe not an easy case, but certainly easy to see him being the first round pick. He probably should have been. And again, we mentioned on the last show that we'll go through at the end of the season here and grade these rookie draft classes. And I talked about uh, the Rams. The Lions <laughs> are going to be up there. And their draft was, quote-unquote, unconventional in that, that no one thought they needed necessarily a running back and a linebacker in the first round. Uh, but they took those players, and they're huge parts of what they do. And then San Laporte is also a big part of that offense. So no pushback there. First-round pick. And you had said that during the draft process. That there were people were sort of sleeping on, on Laporta. What happens when you play, play in that Iowa offense is hard to sometimes tell. And yeah, he was an expert uh, flat route runner. That's all they ran him with. I know I asked you this during the time, but so you watch every single target he's ever got in Iowa to get an. Do you watch high school tape? Like, how do you know that he's no, going to he, be? You're not going to go back to high I'm, school. I'm joking like about that part, but I'm just trying to yeah. figure out how you figure out what he is. Yeah, well, a lot of that can be when they help go to these pro days or these private workouts and actually have him run routes and he'll be running in your system and the coach is actually working with him. Okay. Uh, and I understand it's a workout, but the way he catches the ball, uh, you know, we talked about soft hands versus hard hands when we were pro days last year. Yeah. And we watched Marvin Harrison Jr. It was like throwing into a mattress. I mean, you wouldn't let me talk about him. He said, I couldn't be talking no, about Marvin. You, no, you couldn't talk about him. <laughs> so, but, uh, and he's just, I think he had great workouts, ran faster. And, and, you know, some people, I didn't go that far, but a lot of people uh, within that organization thought he was comparable to George Kittle. George Kittle was a day three guy. Yep. Was that because he was stiff, quote unquote? Undersized and okay. then pass catcher, but he did give great effort as a run blocker. Yeah. But that wasn't uh, in vogue back when he came out. Everybody was looking for the traditional why. 
Yeah. No, no um, pushback on Sam Laporta. I, I appreciate the call. I was not surprised to see the Detroit line pop up here <laughs> on your list, but this one I cannot push back on. I'm going to go with the guy that you knew I was going to pick. And I was shocked that uh, you didn't call him out just so I wouldn't do it. Mr. Puka Spielman. I, I am not. I gave you all the low hanging fruit. I went down and kind of dug deep. You knew I was going to go into the lion. Well, yeah. Um, but no, uh, Puka. What can you say about Puka? I want to hear why he's so fascinating to you. So among all the rookie receivers and tight ends, he's first in snaps played. He's first in uh, the Rams team target percentage. He's targeted on almost 30% of the throws. Um, what else is he doing? He leads the all this, this class in receptions. He has 82 catches. That's a lot of catches. <laughs> he has 1,100 yards. That's first among all the rookies. Just four touchdowns. He's slacking there. In fact, um, your guy might have a few more touchdowns. Uh, they have the no, yeah. Sam has six. Sam has scored six touchdowns already. And it, on and on it goes. We know what he can do, and he they use him in a variety of ways. They use him at all three levels. He showed that he can be a contested catch type guy. He's shown in that seam route against who were they playing that we talked about last week? That eighty yard seam where he outran everyone to the end zone. The Browns, remember yeah. that. Uh, just put the ball in his hands, Stafford put it right on him, and that was a wrap. He's shown he can run just about every route. He blocks. He's using the run game. I, I you know, I did my uh, redraft a few weeks ago just for fun. We talked about it on the show, and then I did it for the for the website, cbsports.com. I had Puka going in the first round. You okay with that? The way he's played, you can't argue that. <laughs> I was waiting to hear this argument. Yeah, but if if – you knew everything you knew going into the draft. You, the people think you were nuts drafting right. there in the first round. Draft would also be a lot easier if you knew everything ahead of time. Yeah, if you knew, oh, yeah, this guy's going to have close to 100 <laughs> catches as a rookie. Okay, I don't care about the injury, the durability concerns, the lack of showing out at the senior bowl. Um, but you give the kid credit. He is a very good football player, and that's something that you cannot, cannot lose sight of. Where I'll, I'll let you guess here of all the wide receivers, which one was he? Was he wide receiver one? Was he wide receiver 200? Like, where do you rank among the rookie wide receivers in the, in the draft order? Nine, he was wide receiver 20. 20. Wow, he, he went just ahead of uh Parker Washington, who's getting some run now in Jacksonville because of injuries, and just behind Dontavian Wicks, um, who's who's flashed at times but hasn't been the primary target in, in, in Green Bay. But man, oh man. If only we could see into the future, Rick, we'd be a lot better off in terms of evaluating these guys. Yeah. All right, two first-round picks so far. I can see in the future. I wouldn't be sitting with you here on this podcast <laughs> right now either. <laughs> oh, man. I don't even take that personally. All right. <laughs> it's a compliment. Yeah, it really is. Your next guy, Byron Young, edge rusher out of Tennessee. We talked about him a few weeks ago, too, with some of these young players, rookies that have, that have flashed that we haven't really talked about. What do you got on Byron Young? Yeah, I mean, third rounder, uh, you know, I went back and watched some tape. We talked about him earlier in the season and how he's showing up as a pass rusher. Uh, they play him a lot from a two-point, but he has really come on uh, to get pressure on the quarterback. He had a sack versus Baltimore on a counter inside move over the right tackle, uh, plays with energy, effort. Uh, if he can ever get to double-digit sacks, this kid has potential Pro Bowl ability in him. Uh, the way he's playing. Now, the concerns about him coming out, I believe, were his age at the time. Uh, there was no question about how hard he played for Tennessee. He's not as physically gifted uh, with all the physical traits that a Will Anderson has, but he plays with that same kind of motor and that same kind of energy. And uh, he's been a real pleasant surprise. And this is, again, credit to the Rams and less need for uh, finding a, a, a young in a puka and guys like that are making major contributions to their team this year. And why, and uh, you know, uh, Kyron Williams as well, uh, and a contribution he's made, they've been right on, on all of these and not having a first round pick, but you're getting value from these guys that are playing way higher than they were selected, which is again, credit to the scouting staff out at the uh, LA and to the coaches developing these guys. I'm getting someone in my ear. Lee J said, how could you forget Kobe Turner? 
Oh, I forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, By- Byron has had a fantastic season, and he leads the rookies in sacks with six. Uh, he has he's second in hits at seventeen. He's pressure pressure rate. Uh, the time he gets to the quarterback or pressures the quarterback per per attempt is eleven point five percent, which is also eight. So he is across the board doing everything that you want him to do, and the numbers match up with what you've seen on tape because. Um, He's he's a spark plug. He is undersized in terms of expectations coming in, and the age was a concern. But neither of those things things seem to be a problem right now. No, good football player. Good football player. Next up, another good football player. Let me ask you, Byron Young. How high would he have been drafted if you had to redraft? Uh, I still think some people would have looked at him as more of a DPR because instead of him, you know, if he has any issues, it's going to be holed up at the point in the run run game. Um, but, uh, I would say that maybe in the second round, I don't know if he could squeak at the bottom of the first, but you got a guy like Philly took, uh, Debo that is Nolan way Smith. more talented athletically, Nolan Smith out of Georgia, uh, but really hasn't, uh, made his mark yet in the NFL. Uh, and even does Kansas city maybe look at him yeah. there instead of, uh, Felix. Yep. No, that's right. All right. My next guy. Again, low-hanging fruit, as Rick, Rick, uh, Rick might describe it. Devon Achan. Oh, God. Boy, you really dug deep on these. Yeah. I thought you'd never heard of him, and I, I was wrong. Apparently, people do know about Devon Achan. <laughs> it turns out he's pretty special. Um, he was hurt there for a stretch, battled a knee injury, came back. But before he, he went out, he was absolutely explosive. I would imagine playing in that offense has something to do with it, but it's hard to to not give him uh, the credit in terms of the the speed at which he plays. And we talk about it all the time. He will run between the tackles. He can be an asset in the pass game. And when we talked to him at the combine, you know, he joked that I said, I asked him, have you ever been caught from behind? He goes, I don't even know what that feel. Like I, I have no experience with ever being caught from behind. And that continues to, to show up here. Um, so Devon Achan, he, he's one of the, uh, the biggest steals in the draft because he ended up being a third round pick. 84th overall. He was running back six. So let's go down the list and you tell me when you're taking Devon Achan. Bijan went eighth. Bijan. Mm-hmm. Jameer Gibbs went 12th. Jameer. Zach Charbonnet was the next one at sec at two. It was the end of the second round. That he's going before uh Zach. Okay. So he's now running back three. three. Yeah, I think that's right. So, I mean, explosive in, in every way you want it to be. So, what's this, Debo? What are we talking I about was, here? That was from our redraft a couple of weeks ago, just talking about oh. Byron Young. Oh, okay. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, Rick redraft. You had Byron Young going to the Raiders, Rick. I had them taking Will Levis at number seven. So, you really liked him. Oh, yeah. I like. Yeah. yeah I really like this kid. Of course, Tyree Wilson must have listened to that podcast because he's playing better now. So he played pretty good against the Vikings. So you're making everyone better around you. All right, your next guy up, unfortunately, will not be playing this week. I think he has a knee injury, which is terrible news for this Browns team, man, because they can't catch a break health-wise. But Dewan Jones, fourth-round pick, 111th overall, 18th offensive lineman off the board. We saw him day one of the Senior Bowl until he called it until he called it wraps. I think he had a concussion-like symptoms. Uh, he was dominating, folks. Uh, Dewan Jones has been uh, fun to watch. Yeah, and uh, he's on IR now, so he's done for the season. Uh, had to get knee surgery, didn't play uh, last week against Jacksonville, um, but was a, he looked a little bit heavier legged down the last couple of games than he did when we did him earlier in the season. Yeah. I think uh, he started to look. I mean, I can't tell if he's bigger or not bigger. He's just a big, <laughs> big human being. That's a know? great thing about being close to 400 pounds. You can't tell 380 can't or 420. Tell 380 or 420, but he's he's big. <laughs> Uh, he moves people in the run game, although he's not as athletic as you'd like at the second level, but he's just so hard to get around and pass protection. Towards the end here, whether it was his knee bothering him or weight gain, which I don't know if he gained weight or not, but there were some issues with counters back to the inside versus finesse-type rushers. But for the most part, he's been very solid across the board and uh, when he got it when Conklin got hurt and got his opportunity to go in and start I think they found the right office offensive tackle if he can stay healthy and if he can maintain his weight if he doesn't 
then he's going to be probably taken or probably should have been picked where he was taken. But okay. he is playing way better than that. Who has had a better rookie season at right tackle? Dewan Jones or his former teammate, Paris Johnson Jr., who played left tackle last year for Ohio State? I think Paris Johnson Jr. Okay. You think so? Mm-hmm. I think it's close. I, I would say it's close, but yeah. watch the later tape on the it looked like that rookie wall was starting to creep up on him a little bit. Yeah. Hard to imagine that wall could contain him, but maybe the rookie wall is the only one that can. <laughs> but great season for Dewan, and I'm glad that he was able to Prove some folks wrong, and hopefully, you know, he keeps his mind focused. We'll revisit Dewan perhaps when we talk about possible things we missed. That's probably a pretty easy answer. He didn't work out, and the weight was a concern, and then he seemed to have that under control. Is there anything else we missed in terms of his evaluation? No, it was the shut it down after one dominant day at the Senior Bowl. It was not stepping on the scale at the Pro Day. It was all mismanaging the pre-draft process. Yeah, or that- a lot of people, you know, going into the process, I think you would agree that a lot of people had him as a low one, early two. Yeah. Nope. Round pick. No doubt about it. Cause that's how dominant he was when he played Ohio state. All right. My last guy here in terms of the biggest deals of the 2023 NFL draft so far, DJ Turner. We haven't talked about him only in passing Michigan cornerback. I think he ran like sub four, three and that Fast. shows that shows up. And I kept seeing him on the broadcast, just, coming down and smacking people and then making plays at the catch point. And I was like, all right, let me go back and watch him. Cause I haven't really paid attention to the secondary of the, of the uh, Bengals. He was the uh, 60th overall pick second round DB 11 off the board. And uh, he is fast. <laughs> he is very fast. And he, he got beat a few times deep. DK Metcalf got him once. There's no crime in, in losing to DK Metcalf. Deontay Johnson caught a go ball on him and it was, contested catch great play and we talked about him the other day coming downhill and smacking people and throwing his body around like he weighs like he's a, a strong safety i love the way he plays he's he he's very good in coverage on most routes they line him up mostly outside he'll play slot occasionally and i thought he was a good get for that secondary they have cam taylor Britt. Right, is cam taylor Britt another young man you knew growing up uh, no, he was he went to Nebraska though. Played with my son at Nebraska. Okay, okay. And Cam Taylor Britt's ha- having a fantastic season when he's been healthy. And I think DJ Turner's been a nice addition there. Dax Hill, DJ's former teammate, is now playing safety, the former first round pick, and he's he's doing some things. But I was I was impressed by what DJ did. Um, I don't know if he was sneaking to the first round because the first round guys, even Emmanuel Forbes, has picked up a little bit are, are doing okay. And there some of these cornerbacks that played really well both in the first. Uh, round and day two guys, and we'll talk about one of those in a second. But um, fun watch, like the draft pick, and I, I think it's worked out uh, for DJ. I think he's only going to get better, and I like the way he plays in terms of the the attitude he brings to the secondary. Yeah, no, and the biggest thing is some of those contested catches, if he's strong enough, that was one of the questions coming mm. up. There wasn't any question about the athleticism, and like you said, his ability to come up and hit, people were worried, was he going to break down because he is – not that big of a human being compared to the last guy we talked about uh, and Dewan Jones. <laughs> That's three to one. Three DJs make one to one. If three, I would go four. <laughs> but he's he's showing that he is a tough kid, that he comes up. And my biggest thing is just getting stronger in those contested situations. All right. I agree. Let's take a quick break, though. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Five rookies each. We gave them grades, second rounders, and see how they graded out three quarters of the way through the season right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
All right, Rick. Let's start with the future face of the franchise, the current face of the franchise, I should say, for the Tennessee Titans. Will Levis, perhaps the toughest man in football with some of the hits he's taken. Um, he's played pretty well. That last game was certainly uh, a fun one to watch, the last two minutes especially. So we'll go through your guys, and then we'll go through my guys. Will Levis, what do you got? What's his grade, first off? Let's start there. I gave him a B with trending towards an A. And okay. because of the signature win in Miami and what you saw in the fourth quarter and the improbability of Tennessee coming back and winning that game when they were down by two scores uh, with three minutes left to go in the game. So kudos to Will Levis. Uh, some of the throws he made, uh, no-look throw for the touchdown, the two-point conversion that was uncovered. Uh, but the reason for the B is because he's still making those rookie mistakes the you know interception pick six on a screen uh some of the other things that are still kind of rookie bonehead mistakes <laughs> but uh, even in the um you know the uh indianapolis overtime game there was some good but there's also some bad i still want to see him continue to develop as a uh, quarterback in the pocket he has improved his touch uh because i didn't think he had any touch coming out of Kentucky. And we talked about that when we were at his pro day last year, but he seems to be the leader of that football team by the energy. And, and, you know, he can't take the hits he's taking though, because he's not going, I don't care how Superman you rocked up, you look like those hits are going to eventually start wearing on your body. And he has to learn to be a little bit smarter. Uh, I know that is his uh, signature uh, sending a message to the rest of that locker room down there that if we're going to go down, we're going to go down swinging. And he sure in the heck is going to go down swinging if he's going to go down. But he is trending up towards an A for me, especially with that signature win uh, down in Miami. And we should make it clear, you don't do pluses or minuses, so that's why he got no. a straight B. Yes. I do All not right. do pluses. It's a principal thing with me. Since it wasn't. You are, if nothing else, a man of principle. Let me yes. ask you to uh, rank the rookie quarterbacks. CJ. Um, ooh, let's get a little dicey. He's, <laughs> he's, he's played better than Bryce Young has at this point. Yeah. Because he doesn't, I mean, he has D Hop, who's been on fire as of late. Uh, but he doesn't have, and he has King Henry in the backfield, which helps, but he is making other players around him better. That's right. Yep. No, that's right. And th there are very few bright spots for the Carolina Panthers right now. And Will Levis. Whether you think he, you know, weird for mayonnaise and eat bananas with a peel on or not, he's that team is buying in and he's playing well. And also goes to show you, not so much Bryce. I'm thinking more like Mac Jones, for example. You may not have every box checked just yet as a rookie quarterback, but it certainly helps when you can throw a ball four thousand miles an hour and make some of the off-platform throws that he can make, where other quarterbacks don't even have a chance of even attempting it with their arm coming off. No, and sometimes it's a little bit you don't know where the ball's going. Right. Um, so, but he is making throws that are making difference in games. Absolutely. And that's all you want. So uh, redraft, he's going in the first round for you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You made fun of me last week when I had him going seven to the Raiders, the Raiders would drive over to Nashville and pick him up right now. If he could play tonight. If he continues to play the way he played in that fourth quarter. Yeah. Just got to oh. bottle that up and sell it. Yeah. A lot of money. All right. Your next Graded uh, next player you're going to grade here. We just talked about him. I can I can only imagine what the grade's going to be. Sam hey, Laporta. Hey, hey. <laughs> Tight end for the Lions. Yeah, he's an A, and he should be an A plus. But somebody doesn't give pluses. But uh, no, whatever. Because it's a principal thing, and because Debo <laughs> never stated in the directions when he gives us homework that you can use pluses or minuses. So I refuse to now bend the rules. Uh, Diva, let me ask you, what are you, do you take away from uh, someone who says it's a principle uh, to not use pluses or minuses when passing out grades? I don't um, concern myself with those people very often. <laughs> it is quite the, 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 the hill to die on, as they say, Rick. But hey, man, you're, you're a monkey, you're a circus. All right. Sam Laporte gets an A. I don't think anyone pushed back on that. Another first-round pick, or should have been first-round pick. And in case you're wondering how we came with these names, Debo just picked them out of a hat and then passed them out and then we're grading them. So there's no rhyme or reason in terms of whether Rick and I want to talk about these players. 
although Rick very well may have requested every Detroit Lion. Brings us to our next selection here. On this podcast, we are neutral to all 32 NFL teams. That's a disclaimer. Uh, safety Brian Branch, Nickelback, actually. Um, great start to the season. Had that pick six in week one against uh, Patrick Mahomes. We talk about it all the time. Ran the four five eight at the combine. Didn't run again at his pro day. And that had everything to do, I would imagine, with why he fell to the second round. Because, again, just like Dewan Jones, he was in the first-round conversation and media-wise for the longest time, and then the 458 came out. Because he's a great kid, plays hard, incredibly smart. We know all the things here. But how has his first season been uh, at the three-quarter pole, Rick? Yeah, no, well, he uh, had a little setback with an ankle sprain, missed two weeks with the ankle sprain, and then – Came back, didn't look as explosive out of his transition or closing, but over these last three or four games, has looked back to completely healthy. He had a big interception down in New Orleans to help seal the win down there. Uh, great open field tackler. Uh, they can use him in multiple spots. I saw him lined up at safety one game and breaking to a post or post corner route and the range and his ability to read the quarterback's eyes to get a jump on the throw for another PBU. So he is uh, a difference maker on the defense. He can play man, very aware in zone coverage. He checks every box that you're looking for when you when you watch his tape. And he should have definitely redrafted, would have been a, a first-round pick. What grade do you want to give him? A. In the redraft that we did a few weeks ago, you had him going to the Steelers, which I absolutely loved. Yeah. Yeah, he'd have been a great, great pick there. Next up. And I think, you know, I even thought that at the time uh, that he would have been a great fit in Green Bay as well. Because I oh, think yeah. in our mock grass, we had him projected to Green Bay as well. All right, next up. Ole Miss wide receiver Jonathan Mingo went 39th overall in the second round to the Carolina Panthers. And uh, we talk about him every week because we talk about Bryce every week. And he struggled at times. And I'm not going to dump on the kid. I have to preface every time I talk about the mingo with that, but he, he has some room for improvement. Would you agree with that? Yes. C. I gave him a C. And I thought, you know, even watching this last game, he got open down the field, which yes. is becoming more comfortable with routes. Bryce missed some throws. It should have been touchdown throws to him. But then two, a slant route and an in-breaking route, both I thought were drops that he needs to come up with, especially with a – Receiver of that physical stature, he needs to make sure that he can shield the defender away from the ball and you be the guy to go get the ball. He has a tendency to still let the ball wait till it gets into his body instead of extending and catching. I mean, he had nine targets, but only two catches uh, in this last game. It was a hitch and a, uh, and a bubble screen. So I think he's improving. Uh, looks like he's playing faster than he was earlier in the season when we broke him down, but still needs to be more consistent, especially catching the ball in tight windows. Yeah, we've talked about him to death at this point. The route running was all over the place. But you've also mentioned that a lot of times when you're a rookie, especially a wide receiver, you're too busy thinking and not playing. Yes, because you're thinking about the steps, you're thinking about the route concepts instead of, I already know it, just go out and get open and catch the ball. Right. What you do with the ball in your hands afterwards. So hopefully he keeps uh, making the moves in the right direction because, um, I mean, he was a game changer uh, for Ole Miss in terms of his athleticism and ability to make plays. Gave him a C. So is he still – you still taking him second round, 39th overall, or probably a little later? Later. Yeah. I would probably draw, I would take in uh, Tank Dow before him. Yeah, how about that? That's a Who huge step. Before him? Yep. Yeah, you could probably go through that receiver's – that you said that uh, there's a lot of receivers that probably would have went before him. All right, let's look real quick. Let's see what we got here. So first receiver taken, we had those four guys go, of course, Jack Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, all went back to back to back to back in the first round. The very next wide receiver taken was Mingo. And so I'll read you who goes off the board next, and you can tell me when you'll take Mingo over this player. Jaden Reed for the Packers. Reed. Right. Rashi Rice for the Chiefs. Rice. Marvin Mims for Denver. He hasn't, he's been up and down. He's done some return stuff. Mims. Wow. Tank Dell. Dell. Jalen Hyatt for the Giants. Who's coming on lately? Hyatt. Really? You think so? He does, he does provide a deep threat, and that's exactly what you need in Carolina. So, okay, you got me on that one. Said Tillman, I haven't watched closely with Cedric, so I don't know how often he's used in, in Cleveland. 
he hasn't been catches the ball a little bit more consistently than than Mingo, similar type yeah. style, I guess I would say. So fifty fifty. Okay, and uh, I'll do two more so I can get to my guy there. Josh Downs, UNC, who's in Indianapolis. Downs. And then Michael Wilson out of Stanford, who's actually, we have not talked about him, and Debo, let's do it before the end of the season because he's actually had a really good under-the-radar season. Yeah, when he plays. Okay. <laughs> he's hurt all the time. Maybe he's just saving up. Okay. <laughs> all right, so Michael Wilson or, or uh, Mingo? The uh, Mingo, just for principle. I knew it. All right. Well, we got it. The conversation got off to a good start there, but uh, your point, your point is taken. So he would have been not wide receiver five, but closer to probably to wide receiver 10 or 12. Yes. In the redraft here. All right. Your last player to grade rookie second rounder, Tuli, Tui Pelotu, who has been uh, a lot of fun. We talked to him at the combine under the radar throughout the process, but uh, he is under the radar. No more. It feels like. No. And, uh, He's been on a little bit of a sack drought, but he's still been disruptive. Mm-hmm. Um, he had two sacks. I went back and watched the Jets game, and he was on fire against the very porous New York Jets offensive line. Zach Wilson was running around for his life, um, but he was an A. And then down the stretch here a little bit, they put him over the guard. They stand him up. They put him everywhere, and he's still rushing hard. He just hasn't had the same production. Uh, and I just like to see him a little bit more violent at the point. So I could have very easily given him an A. I just, because he's tailed off just a hair, uh, I put him down to a B. But he, I would not argue with an A on him. Second round, 54th overall pick. Looking here at some of the defensive ends, one ahead of him. Uh, yeah, let's start there. So Nolan Smith, you're taking Tule before Nolan? Yes. Felix under DK Uzama, who went to the end of the first round to the Chiefs. Yes. Derek Hall went to Seattle 37. Yes. BJ Ojolari is having a great season for Arizona. Yes. And he went 30, 41st. Um, so right around that range. Yeah, it's it's been it's been fun to watch. I'm glad that uh he's doing as well as he is. I liked him coming out, but you know. Who we just didn't know where we're going to line him up inside or outside. Right. You're going to put 20 pounds on him or keep him light and rush, let him rush the edge. That that was the a lot of the questions going into the draft. Similarly, Lucas Van Ness went in the first round of the Packers. Would you rather have Thule or Lucas? Because Lucas isn't having a bad season, but he's not having quite the productive season of Thule. No, I think Thule's a better pass rusher, natural pass rusher. Okay. All right, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll get to my – oh, boy. A man's got to have a code. There you go, Debo. <laughs> Does that mean principle? That means principle. I'm going to use the word. Can I use the word code going forward? Yeah, that sounds like you, you're from the streets. You say code. <laughs> Rick, I'll, I'll give you a dollar if you know what show that's from. Uh, he might know. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm going to take a wild guess. Uh, Tupac's. Tupac. <laughs> that's not Tupac. That's Chalky White, who he, he passed away last year, I think, because of a drug overdose. I remember his real name. That's the Baltimore show, Debo. That I can't remember the name of either two old people. The Baltimore show. Oh, my God. I can't remember. What's it called? That would be The Wire, the, the Wire, second Nick. greatest TV show of all time. <laughs> I thought it was The Streets of New York. Uh, Is that a real show? I don't know. <laughs> what are you doing to us, Debo? He's got to get off a of Hallmark. We're like the two old guys in the Muppets up there in the stands yelling at people not knowing what we're talking about. Go see about. the world. The I Baltimore see the world show. through Hallmark. You, you watch the, it's the same script every movie. That's you what's can crazy. be a librarian and live in like a $5 million Victorian home and only work at the library. I want to get a job like that. That is funny. Like you like it. Charles Davis likes Hallmark. I want to know what the demographic breakdown is for people who like Hallmark and why. But that's Men a conversation. After, after 50? I don't know, man. It, it it's I don't get it. You know, I've been through so much in my life as a general yeah. manager, dealing with so much. It's nice to watch happy endings all the time. So you like mindless tell like things that don't require you to, to put too much thought into it. Is that what you're saying? And it ends. There's a lot of thought that has to go into this. When is the breaking point where it's usually that's always at the 20 minutes left to go in a show when everything just goes to the sh- sh- shiter. <laughs> <laughs> Last night it was. She oh went back, God. and then she went to go spend time with her 
fiance, but she fell in love with the guy that runs the youth center in uh, Nantucket or wherever the heck it was, Martha's Vineyard. Oh, boy. There was snow. It was a Christmas show. And then uh, she decides that the, she goes back in, uh, to St. Louis and her fiance is so tied up into his work and he's missing the point. And she says that he changed. He says he didn't. Gives the engagement ring back. Everything's going. Over. Then he, her aunt sets her up to come back to Nantucket to come spend Christmas with him. They get him hooked back up with the guy she met that runs the uh, youth center, and the rest is history. Indeed. If anyone is still listening or watching this podcast, <laughs> I thank you and applaud. Top age group, fifty-five to sixty-four. Or so Rick, smack oh, you're, that. that. You're right in there. Spot. Holy Moses! How about that? Twenty-seven percent male. So. Wow. Okay. So that, that is right in your wheelhouse. Fair enough. Again, I apologize on behalf of uh, people who came here for draft coverage, but Rick had to, had to get that out of the system. <laughs> anyway, I, a new word. I, I, I have a tear and then I go to bed. Yeah, you were emotional. You were recounting it. I could tell. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. Uh, hopefully we'll get to my, my grades of my five rookie second rounders and probably some, some more homework talk right after this. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Let's get to my five rookie second round picks and grade those guys. Let's start off with Joey Porter Jr. Went one pick ahead of Will Levis at the top of the second round. 32nd overall because the Dolphins were stripped of their first round pick. And Rick, as you noted at the time, Joey Porter should be upset for a number of reasons. The most, the, the biggest one being that he lost out on some money in the, the, Five-year contract potential. But a positive, they can't put that fifth-year option on him. And the way he's playing, that's great news for Joey Porter Jr. Because he has been a revelation for that Steelers secondary. Didn't play early in the year. Played limited snaps, and then they needed him. Put him out there and acted like he was playing at, at Penn State. And it was, it's was it been fun to watch. I went back and watch all his targets. Um, and he long we knew that he's physical but you talked about this during the draft process one of my concerns was that he was so physical downfield that he was gonna get flagged all the time he, he does he's had a couple penalties maybe three i think is what i counted uh in in coverage and i can live with that but he's always at the catch point because he's so long he's he's more physical than i thought in terms of making tackles he struggled at times with that but i think he's gotten a little better i legit think that if there's a redraft he'd be a top 15 pick yeah, we liked him coming out. He was one of our top corners coming out, and he's carrying on the legacy of his father at uh, with the Steelers. And uh, just the energy and effort that he plays with is fun to watch him play. I gave him an A+. Plus. One of the things I did note, and there were some concerns about his change of direction, you can get him on in-breaking routes if you give him a little outside move and, and beat him inside. And I don't know if that's the end of the world. Everything else he does is is really good. But that's just something that I noticed and went back to, to, to some of the pre-draft concerns, if you even want to call it that. But everything else, he A-plus for me. And again, top 15 pick because he comes in right away, press, presses you up, and is physical throughout the route. All right, way to go, Joey Porter Jr. Can you play quarterback for the Steelers? That's the next question. All right, next up, Keon White, another guy that we liked during the draft process. Georgia, Georgia Tech um, transfer. Where did he transfer from? He transferred from oh, Old Dominion. He was Old Dominion transfer. I went to Georgia Tech. And 290, he played <laughs> as a five technique. Uh, they line him up all over the place in um, in New England. Out wide, they even put him over th at three technique. He's not as twitchy as I remember. And he flashed in the preseason. We talked about him then. 
I like the way he's played, but I would like to have seen a little more consistency. Sometimes he can struggle to get up blocks. Um, he made a fantastic tackle in space against the Dolphins. It was a end around. He was playing nine technique. He stood his ground and then made an open field tackle on Raheem Mostert, I believe, in the backfield for a tackle for loss. Great play, but it just hasn't been there consistently. Now, he can shoot gaps. He can take on double teams and occasionally split, split them, but it hasn't been the Tuli, Tuli, uh, Tuli Pelotu type production that we've seen. So I gave him a B. A little tight. I agree with you there. And I think he is powerful. I still think he's trying to adjust to five tech uh, because he was lined up as an end coming out of Georgia Tech. So I think some of that is and in New England's defense, they really never have, you know, like Judon was made a Pro Bowl because he was a great edge rusher. But none of their inside guys, the last one, maybe Richard Seymour, that played kind of that five tech, um, have really they play good team defense. But I don't know if that system's built for individual stats, especially for like five techs or nose tackles or things like that because of what they asked him to do. But he's a, he's, I think he's a good football player. Also worth noting when you lose Matthew Judon on one end, that makes your job a lot harder. And Judon's been out for, he's done. Long time. Yeah. Yep. So I, I, that's worth noting as well. So I gave him a B again. I like him too. We liked him um, throughout the process. Nice guy to talk to for sure. Next up, Michael Mayer. 10th, uh, second round pick. 10th player taken in that second round. He is way more athletic than I remember <laughs> thinking he was in the process. And I didn't think he was a bad athlete, but we talked, we didn't talk about him the same way we talked about Don Kincaid or even Sam Laporta, certainly not Kyle Pitts. If you go back a few years ago, but we, he made the top rookie of the week list a few weeks ago. And we talked about how, at least I thought he's a little athletic in space better than I thought they line him up all over the place. He's becoming more and more, uh, a, a target of whoever the quarterback is going to be there. It's going to be Aiden O'Connell, it looks like, again this week. I gave him a B plus. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think he is a little twitchier than we thought, especially into some of his routes. We knew he was very good in contested situations, can catch the ball. I still don't think he's as dynamic uh, with the ball in his hands after the catch. And I wish he was just a little bit more consistent as a run blocker. Um, those are probably the concerns I have with him, but I'm not going to argue with your grade because I'm oh, not. Do. <laughs> All right. Next up, Zach Charbonnet. I'm glad Debo put Zach on the list. We talked about him a moment ago. He was, he was drafted ahead of, of Achan, Achan, excuse me. Um, 52nd player taken in the second round, UCLA by way of Michigan. And I remember watching him over, last year and not loving him. And I would talk to some uh, West coast scout about him, and they said, he, this kid's good. So I went back and, uh, watched his snaps this year. And again, God, he's twitchier than I remember. Uh, he makes guys miss in the open field. And then he runs over the person, the last person standing. If he's in the way, there's no other option there. He's, he's a, a very patient in the backfield, one cut and then hits the hole. And by the way, they run a lot of uh, zone, up front, that offensive line and the runs that I watched with Zach, at least, have done a consistent job of creating holes for him to run through. And then he gets to the second level, and he's just either juking guys or trading guys that, that don't get out of his way. I was incredibly impressed with with, with what he, he's brought to that team, especially with Ken Walker, the third, injured at times, and then that one-two punch with on the field together. I gave him a B plus. You are right on there, Mr. Wilson. Uh, you actually sound sincere. No, I'm not. Oh, <laughs> you love him. Go ahead. Good football player, good running back, very good vision uh, for a big back. He does have ability to make defenders miss. Agree with all that. I would say that he's not nearly as dynamic in space or as a receiver than Walker is, but Walker right. seems to have injuries all the time. So great 1B type back. Uh, for Seattle, but not near the dynamic playmaker that Walker can be. Yep, absolutely. I was just looking at my notes here. Uh, he ranks third among rookie running backs in first down runs. He has 29, and those are 31% of his carries. Um, I, I I should probably stop while I'm ahead here, but I thought he was a twitchier Tyler Algier. 
Yes, I, I agree with you. One hundred percent. You're still emotional from the Hallmark movie. You can't you can't summon the energy to be yell, yelling and screaming at me. All right, B plus well, rolls. It's just getting packed down there for thirty three more days. Oh, and then it's going to volcano up, huh? So, second round still feels about the spot you're taking, Zach. You're not going to sneak no. him into the first round. No. All right. Next up, my last rookie that I'm going to grade, Rashiv Rice. And I was not a fan of Rashid during the draft process. And by that, I mean, I didn't think he was going to be a top 50 pick. I, I had some questions. Um, just because of the way he played at SMU, I know he ran fast, but he didn't consistently, for me, um, create separation. And th that was one of my concerns down the field. But he was the 55th player taken, second round. And he's outplayed that. And he's outplayed that in part because he's the only show in town on the on the wide receiver position outside of Travis Kelsey. But he's gotten better each and every week. Now, what they do is they throw him the ball in the flat. They throw him the ball in quick screens and say, just go do it. They don't. Have, they, he can run the, the routes downfield. He's gotten some some scramble drill passes that he, he's caught downfield and turned into touchdowns. But it feels like the game plan with Andy Reid is get the ball in his hands and just let him take over and make it simple. And let me ask you this. Is that easier for a young receiver to do, just run a screen or, or a flat as you opposed to, to – yeah. yeah, put the ball in your hand, then he's more athletic and twitchier after the catch than I thought he was going to be. Um, but we on another entity that I work on, we had a guest on that was a Kansas City – covers the Kansas City Chiefs, and they said, watch this kid down the stretch because he's going to end up making a difference for the Kansas City Chiefs. And he has gotten better as the season's gone along. I still have little concerns with his drops, yep. although he's catching the ball more consistently. But I think that with Kelsey, he may emerge as the next playmaker on the offense if he continues to ascend the way he's ascending. Uh, let me ask you this. Speaking of Kelsey, quickly, people are saying that maybe he's the light. The it's not the light at the end of the tunnel. The end of the tunnel's there, and the exit doors there. Is there any concern about him being closer to the end? No, especially when I saw him make the unique lateral pass to win the game, and yeah. unfortunately, Tony was lined up offside, which is bizarro land to me. Um, but no, I think he is the. He may have gotten bitten by the love bug, but he's still playing at a high level. Do you honestly think that might be a consideration, or are you just saying that? I'm just saying that. I okay, know. I didn't know if that was something that you would be worried about if no. you were in the building. No. Okay. I'm, I'm sure it's a little bit of a distraction, you know, because it's the, you know, every time she comes around, it's, it's a media circus. Yeah. But it's not affecting the way he plays. He actually still plays pretty good. In fact, he's okay. better with her in the stands than he is without her in the stands. Yeah, or I should say she doesn't sit in the stands. Right. She's sitting in the uh, Jake Browning family suite. They got his family <laughs> up there. That was nice of Joe Burrow. Uh, by the way, quickly, Debo informs me a little breaking news, at least as we're recording this at noon on Thursday, December 14th. Jalen Milrow, Alabama quarterback, confirms that he will be returning for a senior year. you agree with that? 100%. And I'll put this out there. I don't know if I said it on the podcast, but I said it elsewhere. I am going to contend that Jalen Milrow will be the best quarterback on the field against Michigan when we evaluate these quarterbacks five years from now. And this game coming up? I, I think five years from now, we will look back and say, oh, Jalen Milrow ended up being a better quarterback than J.J. McCarthy in the NFL. All right. I will be ready for my comparison. Yeah. Which is bizarro land, but I just – I think he is starting to show traits of a Jalen Hurst. Okay, I don't hate that. I thought you were going to say something like truly crazy, like Tom Brady or something. <laughs> no, Jalen Hurts, I could see. That's what you want. Yeah. Yeah. That's, he just that's... needs to improve his passing, more accuracy, but he throws a great deep ball. He's a unique athlete, and he is big. Is he, he is... a better athlete than Jalen Hurts? I think he may be a little twitchier. Yeah. Jalen Hurts was a really good athlete, but what made Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts is he continued to improve his accuracy as a passer, and he had some weapons around him, and uh, I think that Milrow is on that same trajectory. But if he comes out this year, he's behind all those other quarterbacks. So he made yeah. a very wise decision to come back and then will probably be in consideration for QB1 next year if he continues to trend the way he's trending. I mean, he was in consideration for the Heisman this year, so that'll also be in the running. 
uh, potential QB one. And I'll say this, tell me if you agree with this, the two players that helped themselves the most in terms of improvement in 2023, the, the college football season, number one, Jaden Daniel, number two, Jalen Milrow. Yeah. But I think Jaden Mil- Milrow is, if he can take a step like Jaden Daniel did, then watch out, watch out. He's he, he has to take that next step though. Cause I remember watching Jalen Milrow in the early part of the season going, you can't win like this. He got benched. He got benched. They brought in everybody and their brother, Tyler Buckner went back to play lacrosse. He was so disillusioned with the whole experience and uh, Milrow came back and he got better each and every week. And I could not believe the player he was at the end there. Um, the fourth- difference between the, what he was at the beginning. And even when I saw him down there in summer camp and then spring ball, I was like, these dudes aren't going to have a chance. They don't get a quarterback and they have a really good football team. Uh, uh, but the quarterback has made a difference down the stretch for him. Yeah. So the lesson I would tell you, Rick, is that don't judge a book by its cover. You got to give them time. Okay. Thank you. Let me put a note on that somewhere. <laughs> yeah, write that down somewhere. In yeah. your brand new My shiny question, office. Um, who has a better year at Notre Dame? Sam Hartman, what he just did this past year, or Riley Leonard next My year? My guy, Riley Leonard. Going to Notre Dame, Rick. Riley Leonard is a night and day better athlete yeah. than Sam Hartman. I don't Sam know. put up some numbers, though. Yeah, I just don't know if he's going to throw as well, uh, but he has a stronger arm, and if he can improve his accuracy, uh, he'll be up there. Though It may be a stronger quarterback. You know, this is, a, I believe, a strong quarterback class. If Leonard comes, Riley Leonard comes along and Milrow, and, you know, if Sanders comes back to school, Colorado, there's going to be some good quarterbacks next year, just the way it's starting to shape up right now. We got to see what yeah. Quinn Ewers does. Yeah. I'm excited about DJ Uyungale at, at Florida State potentially. Oh. Or Absolutely not. Elsewhere. Grayson McCall at NC State. Tyler Van Dyke at Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> Who did Nebraska get? Are they getting McCord? They're trying They're to get kind of flip this this top Georgia kid. Oh, um, oh it's uh, Rayola. Yeah. Rayola. Yeah, that's right. Dominic's son, correct? I think, right? Yes. Wow, you're right, Rick. There could this class. Wow, could be shaping up to be something special. I don't. Do we know anything about Quinn Ewers? Has he said anything one way or the other? I thought we thought he was coming back. He's going to Final Four. Why would he say anything right now? Because the with the perfect podcast has questions. That would be my answer it's to him. Murphy, their their backup entered the transfer portal yesterday. Backup so, for who? Depot? Texas. Oh right, Malik Murphy did. That's that's interesting. So I would Arch, imagine Arch was third string. Yeah. So Malik played when Quinn was hurt in the fall. Arch didn't see the field, but I'm guessing the conversation probably was: Listen, Arch is number two, worst case, Rick, and that's why Malik left. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's not get he he took us red shirt year. Okay, all right. Well, that's it. So that's a lot of moving and shaking and stuff that we'll talk about throughout the process. But uh, mark it down, Debo. Rick has been the first person to say that next year's draft class, quarterback wise, could be better than this one. And I think I think he's onto something. Those Hallmark movies are paying off. <laughs> you didn't even bring up Drew Aller. Oh, we didn't bring up Debo's Drew Aller. If they let him throw the ball overhand, then I think he's in the conversation. We'll let him throw the ball. That's a conversation for July. Great. We're already starting on summer scouting school. Can we get through this process? No, we cannot. It's, it's like I said, it's like the, uh, what is it? The the Great China Wall? Wall of China? Great Wall of China. <laughs> <laughs> one one brick at a time. Oh, my gosh. You got Senior Bowl coming up. I get through all the Senior Bowl guys that are going down there. It's, yeah, we, it's it's never ending. There's a lot of work to do. I was thinking about that today too. But hey, that's why we're doing the podcast to to make everyone else's life easier. Rick, you got to suffer for others to have have success. I have always been the guy that are there to boost others up. Yeah, the self esteem <laughs> coach, the guy to be there for the support. <laughs> Everything that I do on this podcast has been my life. It's for, it's for the betterment of everyone else. And I get on my knees every day and thank baby Jesus that you're my self-esteem coach. And <laughs> right. doctor. And what? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Worst bedside manner in medical history. Suck uh, it up. My God. I don't I mean, care. That, that was, yeah. That was, and, I told you the, the, uh, when I got dad of the year when my son, uh, my older son fell on my young, younger son. 
and my wife called me and I was at work and she says he is leg is like and his thigh is like swollen it looks like he's got a basketball in there I said he probably got a charley horse just put some ice on it oh gosh so she goes to the store uh comes back and he's been icing it and he screams every time he moves and it's oh, it's like the size of a beach ball now I've never seen a thigh so swollen so uh I said just bring him in and I'll have the you know the trainer look at him so he couldn't get out of the cart. I had to carry him. I actually put him in one of those office wheelchairs from the yeah. <laughs> parking lot, wheeled him in on an office wheelchair, uh, took him down to the uh, training room. In three seconds, the, the trainer looked at him and says, you need to get him to the hospital right away. I said, it's a Charlie horse. He had a compound fracture. He needed to ride. say. Yeah. Yeah. He broke yeah. his femur? Yes. Whoa. So, you, oh, my God. You told him to put ice on it. Yeah. Suck it up. My God. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, I see guys play like with this all the time. It's a Charlie horse. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he went into emergency surgery and had two rods put into his leg. That's serious. And you, oh my gosh. But Le lesson that, learned. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, yeah, it's got to toughen up. Toughen up, put, rub some dirt on it. That's what they used to say, Debo. All right. Well, I was going to tell my story about when you yelled at me about eating pancakes late at night. That's nothing compared to a broken femur. No, don't break your femur if we're out traveling together this spring. Uh, or make sure you break it to the point that there's no coming back because Rick is not going to be able no. to diagnose it properly. Oh, I'll diagnose it. <laughs> not properly. <laughs> I, I will diagnose it. I'll guarantee you that. <laughs> All right, that's it. We are done. That is episode 106, Rick. Getting there, getting there. Uh, thanks, as always, to all of you who watch and listen and comment, of course. And thanks to my guy, Rick. Thanks to Debo for producing. Debo, do we know what's on the schedule for next week? Or is that going to be a surprise? We are obviously going to look at week 15 rookies and then peek ahead at, at bowl season and what we're excited, superlatives, and, and look ahead. Awesome. All right. Well, we look forward to that. Have a great weekend, everyone, and we'll see you then. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.